0: Welcome, everyone, to this week's edition of the Commercial Real Estate 101 Meetup Group. Uh, For those of you guys who are tuning in for the first time, uh, we actually started this group back in April of 2021, kind of in response to COVID. Uh, It was very hard for us to meet together to talk about different commercial real estate topics, and I thought, what better way to do it than digitally? And so we started the LinkedIn group back in April of 2021, and we invite speakers pretty much every other week to talk about a variety of different commercial real estate topics. And today, we have the honor of having George Connors, who's a friend of mine locally and also a commercial insurance agent who specializes in commercial insurance. Uh, and so uh, he's going to talk a little bit about that, the, the, the process and give us a feel for some of the things you need to consider as you're looking to insure uh, property and also your business. Because you know, there's a lot of people who listen to this podcast who are either A, real estate professionals, and they represent business owners or investors, or maybe you're an investor or developer, and you're looking to analyze all the variables that you need to consider as you're going into these, some of these projects. And I think that George can illuminate some of these uh, these items, and hopefully you can take away some tidbits of, of value from this podcast uh, to learn more about the, the industry. So welcome, George. Thank you. Okay. It's so, be here. oh, for sure. So first off, when we first start off this podcast, what we like to talk about a little bit is, is really your backstory. So if you could tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, and uh, that'd be great. Yeah. So um,
1: I grew up in the DC area, made it to Kentucky by way of a small liberal arts school called Center College. And um, upon graduation, um, a company um, who um, who I had since spent many years with was opening up an office in Louisville, Kentucky, coming to the market with a carrier that was new to the state. Um, And that's how I got introduced to the insurance world. It was a great opportunity. Um, In the beginning, uh, for the first probably two years, they pretty much just had me in their personalized department, fell into some Good commercial clowns early on really educated myself on it pretty quick and with help of others um and uh just kind of fell in love with the all the moving pieces there are insuring a property you know it goes when we'll go into it but it goes much beyond just getting the right replacement cost on there
0: oh for sure yeah i know and, and i've learned a lot more about commercial insurance through our conversations and just dealing with business owners and investors out there because You know, a lot of times people try to just shop insurance rates uh, and try to get the cheapest insurance possible, but then they don't think about the the implications of what exactly that means in the broader sense. And, you know, just just because
1: whatever the bank bank requires is a lot of what I hear a lot, too. But, um, you know, you want to protect
0: yourself. Oh, for sure. That makes complete sense. So uh, one of the things that I'm kind of interested in is why commercial insurance, Uh, you know, and you kind of touched on a little bit. But I thought if you could elaborate a little bit on that, I think it'd be interesting. Cause similar to me, yeah, like I, I mean, got, I, I got in the commercial real estate space outside. I was a software engineer and then just so happened to fall into commercial real estate uh, brokerage, but I'm kind of interested yeah, to hear your back. Like backstory. I
1: said, it was, you know, kind of fell into it. Um, didn't, uh, I didn't go to college for it. I went to college for financial economics and, um, it definitely is a financial product to a degree for sure. Um, but, uh, I, I really enjoy the, and it's a, and it's a changing landscape as well. Um, at you know, as you know, in commercial insurance as well, you know, codes change, things like that change, and underwriting guidelines and the way policies are written are evolving a bit in com- commercial insurance, especially when it comes to areas like cyber. Um, but uh, I, I really enjoy ju- the the complexity of it.
0: Oh, for sure. No, and, and it definitely is complex. And we'll be talking a little bit about, you know, the nuances of it a little bit within this podcast as well. So one thing I wanted to ask you is, you know, what is the role of an insurance you know, agent, similar to what you're talking about? Uh, so similar okay. to what you do, if you could, if you could kind of elaborate exactly what you guys do on a day-to-day basis.
1: So at the end of the day, we want to be a true risk management advisor. Mm-hmm. We want to lay out, hey, here are the risks that you can face in your business. Here's the way to protect against them in terms of policies. And it's really advising business owners, whether it be on their purchase of a property and how to ensure that or how to ensure uh, their operations. Um, They need an advisor and someone who has seen seen claims, both covered and not covered. Um, A lot of times when claims are not covered, uh, you'll hear, oh, well, my agent never told me that. so it's definitely one of those things, while some do try to commoditize it and just come in with pricing, um, it there it's it's not a commodity. Uh, commercial, one policy is is not the same as another policy. They might both cover the same amount, but how it's paid out, when it's paid out, uh, the types of situations it's paid out in can vary from situation to situation. So our job as a, a true, commercial as a true risk advisor is to lay forth the potential areas where there could be loss of income or um, or certain uh, situations where rebuilding will get more expensive, for example. And, you know, just to give a brief example, uh, ensuring an an older building versus a newer building. There are different coverages you need depending on the age of the building. You know, obviously, I'm sure a lot of your listeners are familiar with, um, you know, capital expenditure and all that being more expensive with uh, commercial buildings. Well, the insurance is also more expensive, Um, more things can go wrong, but uh, understanding all that uh, and then sharing that knowledge with your client is really what, uh, what gets me out of bed every day.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I know. And 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 I'll attest to that too, because a lot of times, in particular when you're dealing with newer business owners or people that invest maybe in the residential side and now they're transitioning more into the, the commercial side is that they start seeing some of these price tags for different things and commercial included and they just are kind of shocked by the differences as far as what's required as far as coverage or you know, then and, and, and in a situation where, you know, they try to skimp on certain things, then you can run you run the risk of you know, potentially having a bad situation come about, and, and, and again, insurance is 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 insures some for something that may not happen. And you're right; you may pay the premium forever and not have to worry, or it may, nothing may not happen to you. But that one time where it does, uh, it can be quite catastrophic. And you know, I, you know, similar to you, I've seen business owners that have been taken under because of something that happened that they no longer they couldn't cover as far as their their insurance was concerned. So it is one of those things where it's pretty important. And as far as your role is concerned too, I mean, you work with a lot of different carriers as well. So that's another thing a lot of people don't realize is that, um there's a lot of insurance agents too have relationships with a lot of different carriers and they place business owners and investors depending on what the carrier is specialized in and i'm sure you probably have certain carriers that if it's a restaurant owner that's looking for for uh, insuring their restaurant there's probably certain carriers that do it some carriers may not and so you have those relationships and you have those you know the understanding of the different variables and different factors at play so that you can say okay well instead of going here because it's not going to work let's go over here and maybe there's a way we can f- uh, orchestrate the the deal so it works best for you. So
1: yeah, and it's it's important, uh, you know. Uh, I say it, your relationships with your underwriters is just as important as your relationship with your clients, and that's something that I've been fortunate enough to build relationships with underwriters and a number of companies where, you know, they they might do something for you that if you didn't have that relationship, they wouldn't trust you to um, write a certain piece of business, for example.
0: For sure. No, well, certainly. So one of the things I want to touch on is what exactly are some of the business owner, uh, mistakes business owners make in particular when evaluating their insurance needs? And again, just to give you some backdrop on the audience that we have, we have you know, commercial brokers that are out there that represent business owners. We have business owners that, have, that tune in as well, whether they're in some capacity when, within the commercial space. So if you could touch on maybe some of the mistakes that you see business owners make as pertaining to their insurance needs, both property and even business, I think that would be helpful.
1: Yeah. So let's just start with property number one mistake you see is wanting to insure the building either as low as possible, or in some cases, the purchase price, which from, from an insurance perspective, you're insuring it for what it costs to rebuild it, not, not the value of it. And, you know, here in Kentucky, we just, with the recent tornadoes that came through, we saw that issue a lot. Um, our agency actually does not have a footprint in Maysfield where that tornado came through. But again, we have good good relationships with our carriers who do write business there, and they are dealing with under-insurance left and right over there. Because I mean, at the cost of construction, what has gone up anywhere from 17 to 30%, depending on where you are in the country and what you're doing, well, most policies they might have an inflation guard of like 4%, 4% is not cutting it in the current environment we're in in right now. Uh, You know, and, and to the point of, you know, some people wanting to just ensure what they're purchasing it for or what debt they have on it, the bank's fine with that. From a bank's perspective, all they care is they're going to be paid back on their principal if something happens to that building. So they just require the minimum insurance on it. Doesn't mean that's the route you should go. And especially with building property, uh, a lot of times, most policies have what is called a co-insurance clause. And and anyone's allowed, anyone feel free to reach out to me to get in more depth, you have more questions over this, but brief overview of co-insurance, there's a little formula with it. If you do not have the building insured, some co-insurance clause are 80, 90 or 100%. So if you're not insuring your building to at least 80, 90, 100% of the true rebuild cost, regardless of the size of claim you will be hit with a penalty so a lot of people don't realize that so you know let's say you have a million dollar property and oh i'm gonna insure it for seven hundred thousand. and you know the likelihood of a total loss is very small but you know more likely to have a partial loss and then and so they there's an assumption sometimes with uh building owners that oh, well, if I have it insured for 700,000, if I have a claim for 500,000, they're gonna give me all that 500,000. If you're not insured properly, and you have to look at the language of your contract, each contract's different on coinsurance specifically. Um, but depending on your coinsurance clause in your contract, if you're if the contract says you have to have a 100% uh, coinsurance clause on there, you're gonna be hit with a penalty regardless of the size of the claim. So that's something that, um, unfortunately is not explained as much as it should be to business owners um
0: i think we lost you real quick george i think we're having some technical difficulties real quick hey george can you i think you're muted it, there it is you're, yeah. you're good now you're good now you i think you lost connection for a second oh, so sorry, sorry about, about that no worries no worries yeah
1: and then um another another big one i would say is business income and and loss of business income and what triggers it and how it's triggered uh, for example uh coronavirus being shut down from the coronavirus unfortunately that is not an insurable event and it will not be paid for for business income um there's uh and then and business income there usually is not a co-insurance so that's more of whatever you, you know, you can make it by, let's say if you're out of business for a year plus due to not being able to use that location and rebuilding it. Um, but yeah, I'd say ensuring it to the proper coverages. And then another big one is, uh, ordinance and law. So, you know, you buy a commercial building and it's not up to current code. And then let's say you have a, a fire, a partial fire. Well, the city's going to make you rebuild the whole thing back up to code. Now, that is a separate coverage in their ordinance law. Again, very important to consider the type of building when purchasing the insurance, uh, because ordinance. If, if let's say the the you're build you're buying a building that was just built yesterday, you're not going to need as much ordinance law because that thing's up to code. But you're you're buying a building. Even even in like the '80s, '90s, codes have changed since then, and the insurance you need extra insurance to provide that it will be brought up to code in the event of a loss. So
0: Hundred percent. Yeah, and I'd speak to that too because you know a lot of times, and I, I can speak to Louisville. I can't speak to other municipalities around the country, but you know, there's certain situations where you can buy a building, and you know, as long as you're not breaking in the walls, like you know. You're, you're not having to bring the, the building up to code, right? So, you know, I own a four unit property here in, in old Louisville. It was built in 1880 and it was redeveloped in, you know, I'm assuming the sixties or seventies. I'm assuming the electrical and other things are probably not up to code, but if you start breaking into some of these walls, they're going to want you to bring it up to code. And so you're seeing a lot of exactly. situations where you, you, you may buy a building. Exactly. Grandfather clauses, as any said, that's similar. It, it, it's at least similar in, in concept in that you know and so if you buy an existing structure and maybe it has some some non pertinent uh you know electrical or whatever else and for some reason it it burns to the ground i mean that's that's an issue that you now have to address with what george is saying and and the, the co-insurance clause we were actually talking about it over lunch the other day and he was explaining the concept in that if it, let's say the insure the insurance of the building is a million it's a million dollar building you insure it only for 700,000 dollars and then you make a claim of $500,000 because something catastrophic happens with the building with a co-insurance clause. If you're not, if you're not insured up to whatever the threshold is stipulated, you would only get, you know, seven divided, 700 divided by a million. So seven tenths of the claim. So if you were to submit a claim for half a million, they would only give you 350,000 for exactly. the, the claim. And so, you know, even though you are insured for 700,000, you think, oh, I'm covered because you know that's that's the worst case scenario that I that I foresee. That's when you know it's it's going to hit you. And then, I mean, one hundred fifty grand for a business owner, an investor, and that that may be you know make or break. So uh, just things to consider. So that's awesome. And so one thing I wanted to touch on now is more so on the investor side. And and there's just to give you again context on the people who are listening. You know we have a lot of investors across the nation, and we've had people tune in from across the world. Maybe we'll tune in from Brazil, Europe, uh, all over the place. And so, you know, there are investors and developers out there that you know have have a need for commercial insurance, and they want to get a feel for what they need to think about when they're looking at some of these opportunities. So, if you could kind of share a little bit of insights as far as that is concerned, I think that'd be helpful.
1: Yeah. So, one thing, if if you're uh, buying a building that you're going to be leasing out to someone else, and uh, you're going to want to know even if the, and even if it's a triple net lease, where they're responsible for the insurance themselves, you might have problem, let's say if it's a firework manufacturer, or a good example of it um, is wood manufacturer. Uh, insurance companies do not like wood manufacturers because there's a lot of flammable in, in the building. So that is gonna affect what kind of tenant you have in there. Any type of retail is very low risk, um, warehouse again pretty low risk depending on what's being stored in there. Um so that that's one of the things who will be occupying the building. That's gonna affect uh, your rates and your ability to get insurance. Again, like if it's a fire manufacturer, you're not gonna be going to a standard market. You're gonna have to go to an excess and surplus market that is not that a different deal, a lot more expensive, um things like that. Um, so that that's one of the things that coming to spend uh it, of insurance. And then um, another thing we talked about earlier is age and age of updates. So the main updates that insurance companies ask for roof, plumbing, and electrical. Those are those are the main three things where you will get it, it, again, it's eligibility and pricing, you know, some companies will give you discounts, some companies will say, you're not even eligible to be insured with us because the electrical is 40 years old, for example. But um, so th- those are the main, main three things in terms of insure uh, pricing on updates. Um, they oh. wanna know the, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I've, it, depending, it depends on the size um, of the building, but a lot of times if it's, you know, if, if we're insuring, you know, 10 million plus, we're gonna have a, a risk surveyor come out there and do everything and they've got all these tools and stuff where, you know, they put a little uh, uh, gun to the uh, the electrical box and they can see if it's overheated in any areas and, and things like that. But you know, if you're building if you're buying, uh, you know, like, let's say a million dollar commercial building, not as big, you're not you're probably not going to have all those inspections done from an insurance company until you reach a certain threshold in uh insure insurance. Oh, for uh, sure, but, and, and another thing is uh, kind of while, while we're on the topic of uh, bigger values of insurance um, you know, all the insurance companies, all the standard markets, they all go to reinsurance companies. Well, reinsurance companies right now are raising rates, which means the standard companies who actually are putting it on their paper um, are going to have to raise their rates as well. And I mean, we, we know rates are, it, it's just another piece of inflation i mean it costs more to rebuild it's going to cost more to insure and um and so we're seeing the market harden a little bit
0: for sure no and, and and the pieces of the components are are pretty valuable with what you said i mean especially when you start talking about some of these larger commercial properties i mean you know we were looking i had a, a shopping center deal that i did last year and we had priced out what it would cost to replace uh, a roof for a strip center roughly twenty seven thousand square feet and we were getting numbers back in the tens of thousands, like eighty dollars to $100,000 for the full replacement of the roof. And industrial buildings are going to be even more, especially if it's a very expansive type of building, 50,000 square feet. The roof to re- replacement cost for those types of, of items is pretty significant. Yeah. So it's definitely and, and, stuff to consider.
1: And when it comes to the insurance on, on the roof, there are options to do, let's say if you have an older roof, an insurance company might say, well, we'll insure it, but we're only going to insure it for actual cash value. So they're going to take, they're going to depreciate the roof and give you, so if you have a total loss, they're going to give you what the actual cash value of it is versus actually replacing it. Um, and, you know, those are things that all depends on risk appetite and situation. Uh, but, you know, we do it both ways, actually replacement and actual cost. It does save a lot of money. And, and a lot of times it's, the only way an insurance company will insure certain buildings without a full roof replacement. Sure. Cause you know, you got 10 years left in the roof, you might not want to replace it just cause the insurance company says to replace it. An option to do an option in that case is actual cash value.
0: That makes sense. Awesome. So, one thing I want to touch on uh, was related to leasing commercial property. As Again, there's, there's a lot of people that are listening to the call. that are brokers. They're representing uh, business owners that are looking to lease commercial property. Maybe they're business owners as well that are leasing commercial property and they want to get a feel for what exactly they need to do in order to cover their basis. So, if you could kind of touch on that, I think that would be helpful
1: yeah so so from from uh, the uh perspective of, of uh, sorry you went off just for a second there yeah From advising tenants who will be in commercial property and what they need for insurance
0: yeah so it's it, so for exactly so for commercial tenants so you know there's some people in the audience that are brokers representing people who are looking to lease commercial property yes. and or right. their business owners yeah, who, just for a there. no, Got no it. worries no worries yeah yeah
1: yeah so um Typically, so on a, on a lease, they're gonna, the landlord is gonna tell you what they require. And a lot of people are like, oh, I just want what the landlord requires. Well, a lot of times the landlord, the most, tip, the most typical requirement is a 1 million, 2 million general liability. So they're gonna, you're gonna, let's say you cause damage to your space that expands to other spaces, they're only gonna pay $1 million per incident. And you could be on the hook for rest, the rest of it. So depending on uh the cost of the whole building and the probability of let's say a fire originates in your space well how probable is it that it's going to affect other parts of the building so that that that's one piece on on the liability side where they're protecting their the liability covers the property damage and bodily injury uh that that arises out of the course of business so you wanna make sure that the property that you're protecting yourself from damaging uh, is gonna be less than a million dollars if that's what they require on the general liability side. Um, betterments and improvements um, is something that uh, you wanna ensure yourself. They're not gonna insure if you make updates to the space, um, most likely the building owner is not gonna repay you to redo those updates um, if, there is, if a loss has occurred. Even if it originated from somewhere else, so um, that's a big piece. And then loss of income is a really big piece too. Um, you know, is it? Uh, and policies are written different ways on on loss of income and what triggers it or whatnot. Uh, let's say you're a part of you're renting from someone who owns a unit in a larger space. Um, well, let's say there's a power failure that initiated from another space you might not be covered on business income if it if it's a separate ownership so there's there's a lot of factors to be uh that that go in with all of those coverages but obviously the general liability um building betterments improvements your your personal contents in there um and another thing to look at with personal contents is to look at let's say you're a seasonal business let's say you're uh i don't know something like a holiday, you know, you got a lot of orders during the holidays or whatever. I'll give a, I've got a tea manufacturer as an example. You know, their, their big time of year is December. Well, they've got a lot more inventory in December than they have and leading up to than other parts of the year. So you might want peak season coverage. So insurance companies will say, Hey, give us, give us your busy dates. We'll increase the building personal property for this time period, because you need it for this time period, but you don't need it the whole year. Um, so that's another, if you have fluctuating inventory, that's another big thing to consider is how business personal property is covered. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think that, that the, those,
0: are the main. The, the, those, those are big ones. And, you know, and Je, uh, George and I were working on with one of my clients, one of my clients locally leased about 10,000 square feet of, of industrial space. And uh, they were a B2B, a business for convenience stores so they sell all the bulk products to all these different convenience stores around the city and they have a ton of inventory on site which i mean is significant in, in value if that thing were to go up in smoke and so one of the big things that you know we touched on when we were talking about insurance needs is like man you have a lot of product in here that is quite expensive when you start adding it all up that's all in these racks and stuff and so you know again getting a feel for the business itself you know and 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 Getting a feel, and again, like you like you said, it's very specific to what the particular use is, and that's why it's so important to kind of loop and someone in that, who can. Yeah, and go
1: in ahead. that case, you know, if you go just off what the lease needs, you're not going to have coverage for that because mm-hmm. the the owner of the warehouse, they don't, they're not financially worried about your business personal property. Uh, I mean, they might lose you as a client because you have you go out of business, but um, it's not something. I have very, very rarely seen it required from a landlord telling a business that's one of their tenants insure your own property in here.
0: Yeah, no, and I'll attest to that because usually in the leases, when you analyze the leases, there's the the insurance clause, which is you know something you review, and it's again general liability typically. If they're and if it's triple net lease, they may have a you know a, a property insurance clause and everything as well. So that makes sense. So yeah. we Does touched on.
1: Well, why you speak of the triple net lease? Also, if you are doing a trip triple net lease as the uh, lessor, and you're, um, I, you want to make sure that they are insuring it to to value, um, and I would suggest getting a, a copy of that and having a copy of their policy number one, and then making sure they're listed as an additional insured. I can't tell you how many times I've seen the the. The correct insurance in place but someone not being listed that is a very important thing for them to collect upon uh an event to be listed on the policy
0: yeah and and that should be stipulated within the lease agreement so that's when you need to get a a commercial lawyer involved when you're drafting if you're if you're if you're a business owner and you or if you own commercial property or you're representing people who own commercial property you need to make sure that those leases include those types of clauses within them and again If you're not a lawyer, don't try to write yourself get a get a commercial lawyer involved but but those individuals who are specializing in commercial real estate should be able to know exactly what 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 needs to be included within those agreements so. um, Awesome. So next up is is pertaining to the purchase side. So, you know, there's going to be slightly different different things that need to be considered from someone who's leasing commercial space versus purchasing it so I thought, you know, if you could share some insights on that that'd be helpful.
1: Yeah, um well on so on the purchase side like I was saying the main things but you want to look in the inspection is um or documentation from the current owner uh of updates to electrical, updates to plumbing, um uh, any kind of mechanicals, HVAC, any kind of any kind of mechanicals like that. Um and then the roof. Those those are the factors that are going to affect your insurability and the price you pay for insurance. Um so, so that that's a big one. Um, and if you're looking at it from a tenant uh, standpoint, one of the things, and I know we kind of touched on this earlier about what what type of risk is inside the building. But if you're, let's say you're a tenant that is you know like a warehouse. We'll keep going with the warehouse distribution type tenant. But you're next to a firework manufacturer, again, not something you're going to have an easy time getting insurance for. You're not doing anything that's high risk, but you share a wall with someone that is doing something that's much higher risk in terms of flammability, especially. Um, so that's one thing to consider. I would say I would ask who who else is who else is in this building and anything that has to do with combustion, combustibles like flammables um, it'd be it's a big no-no for uh, for insurance companies that they they shy away from it or they make you make you pay a pretty penny for it to insure. For sure
0: yeah and 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 that kind of lends itself to you know advising your clients as far as new tenants are concerned too so if you're representing land if you own commercial property or you're representing people who own commercial property and there a new tenant comes to the forefront that potentially could fill a space i'm sure that's something you should consider You know, as far as insurability is concerned, because I know, for example, with like, you know, smoke shops, for example, some some banks don't even loan if you have a smoke shop on site or it's different types of uses that may not be in line with what they're trying to loan on. So, you know, those are the type of things you need to consider prior to just saying, yeah, let's let's pull the trigger on this tenant. You know, there's there's other factors at play that you need to confirm with other sources to make sure that you're, in fact, making the best decision possible. So absolutely.
1: Uh, Guns are a big one right now where a lot of companies are shying away from that with all the. General liability uh, implications that are coming along with that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's it's definitely if insurance is always a changing landscape. It's a slow changing landscape. you know insurer, insurers don't like to insure something in, until there's been long history of them. Um that's why a lot of these, you know, for example, like CBD warehouse spaces and stuff like that, where it's you know the risk isn't isn't terrible, but it's just there's no data on it. Yeah. so. Insurance companies for the most part are very conservative.
0: Yeah. It's like banks. So I yes. <laughs> definitely not a, a unique thing. So awesome, man. Well, I have one more question for you. And then I wanted to open up the Q and a, as far as maybe some of the best resources that people can access to learn more about, you know, the insurance space. And again, maybe not from like a, as being a commercial insurer. And if you are a commercial insurer and you're listening to this, then obviously that's, that's, that's great too. But you know, if, if let's say I'm a, you know, a broker or an investor or owner or something like that, or business owner, and I want to learn a little bit more about some of the things I need to consider as I'm going through the process of securing commercial insurance, what, what are some of the best resources?
1: Yeah, I would say, uh, reach out, reach out to an agent, uh, reach out to multiple agents. Um, you know, you might not realize that one agent didn't let you know something that's like an important piece until you talk to someone else, so. Um, I would say, reach out to resources. I mean, most uh, most people uh, in my industry are willing to have a conversation uh, with someone and just give advice uh, on this stuff. Um, I know I am. i'm I'm happy too, and and there's a bunch of other people, but um, it definitely helps um, someone local in the market that you're investing in because they they know the market, and then they know the regional carriers in the market. Like like you mentioned before, uh, I'm a broker and I represent a lot of national carriers, but I also represent regional carriers. Sometimes regional carriers are, can be very competitive against the national ones. And part of that has to do with just geographical footprint and with weather, weather patterns and all that stuff. But uh, it really helps to talk to like, let's say, you know, I, for, I, I for example, have a client that has properties in Southern California. I just don't know that market as well. And and even the laws and the way, uh, insurance is written is different state by state. Um, so I would really, uh, suggest on talking to someone who's familiar with your market, just, just as real, you know, it doesn't seem, it probably doesn't seem like you would need it as much in insurance as real estate, which for sure, you know, much more, more, much more important in real estate for the realtor to be, uh, very knowledgeable about the local market, but, um, I will say it does help in the insurance side as well.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. And and the more people you can talk to, I mean, that's one of the things that I did in my early on in my career is I just started reaching out to a bunch of different, you know, nodes within the process, including insurance agents, including banks, and really trying to get a feel for the landscape. And one thing I'll even add on top of that, which again, a lot of insurance agents, uh, you know, there's a lot that insured personal lines or, you know, they're, they're more centric towards home and auto, et cetera, versus just strictly commercial insurance as well. So- um, just because, you know, they can insure a commercial building, that may not be what they do on a yeah. day-to-day basis. So at the
1: at the end of the day, it it is the same license in every state to sell home and auto that it is to sell commercial insurance. Doesn't mean that you're getting someone knowledgeable on the... Because like, there's just a lot of differences in property insurance when it comes to personal versus uh, commercial. And that's even this, let's say you have the same exact property. Let's say it's a single family dwelling. The insurance will look different if you're insuring it as your personal residence than it would if you, if that's part of a, a portfolio of single family homes.
0: Definitely. Great advice. Okay. So what I wanted to do just to make sure we had enough time was to open up the Q and A. So I'm actually going to look this up uh, on my, on, on the chat box. If you guys are watching this on social media, be sure to type in the chat box and I'll be checking those as well. So all right. Um, so Zenny was mentioning the grandfather clause that we had talked about earlier, but even drive throughs with restaurants, encroachments, et cetera, need to really scrutinize surveys. So that's, that's some great advice. You're right. Yeah. Surveys survey is going to give you a lot of information about the property.
1: Yeah. Uh, a lot of times uh, with the encroachment and stuff, um, which it's, it is part of commercial insurance is a different side of it. But a lot of that gets into the bonds, like surety bonds and things like that, like encroachment bonds and I'm not sure if that's what they were particularly talking about in that but um that that is another thing to consider
0: definitely all right so Paula hey Paula uh, great seeing you on the call um so if it's an, if it's commercial and you are buying let's I'm sorry I'm just trying to read yeah, this I, I read this
1: one. so I get yeah well uh,
0: we'll repeat the question too cuz yeah, we're yeah. on a so, podcast format so Paula's
1: Paul saying um you know it's it's a different uh, rate for commercial builders versus, you know, residential builders. And is that reflected, uh, in the insurance? Absolutely. At the end of the day, you want your insurance to be what it's going to cost to rebuild. So if you have a warehouse, you know, it costs, whatever it costs in your, in your area, you know, uh, but we're definitely going off of the going cost to build in the area. And so that definitely does look different for a commercial versus res- residential. And again, that probably you could speak to this, that probably goes back to the code thing. Partially,
0: Yeah. but oh sure, but it's but, a big uh, it's a big yeah, use no info.
1: absolutely your price per square foot for insuring a commercial building mm-hmm. is probably gonna be higher in most cases than price per square foot insuring a home. You know, every everything else held constant,
0: but yeah i know and and a big part of that factor is because of the public safety aspect as well because in commercial property typically you're dealing with public safety as opposed to single family home where you're you're the you're the own you're you're single resident you're not having to deal with you know a thousand people potentially if you're if you have a restaurant it could be tens of thousands of people that come through your doors on a regular basis so you know there's additional codes there's additional permitting there's additional you know layers of 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 things you got to do in order to make sure that you're building it up to the proper code. And that's one of the big reasons why commercial property is going to be a lot more typically more expensive than a than a single family home. Okay. So Zenny asks, do pool do pools and multifamily properties complicate things, especially in AZ pool barrier requirements are in place because of high rates of child drownings. That's a great question.
1: Yep. Yeah, absolutely that is going to be a factor. Um on the you'll see it on the liability part. You know, uh, In in most insurance policies, I I haven't really seen any that really give you a blended rate. They'll give you your rate that you're paying for your general liability and then what you're paying for your property. So you will see an effect on the general liability line item when you have swimming pools. Awesome. And most every, you know, especially for the insurance companies that like multifamily, none of them have that as like an exclusion per se, but they're definitely going to charge you for it.
0: Device. so magali asks for leases what is insured in the building or the con or the content only so, so okay
1: yeah so like if you're if, if you're if the uh if you're leasing a building right
0: yeah if you're leasing. so if, if if so so i think maybe we we can talk about it both ways so you're saying typically in leases what is required uh okay so okay. Retail space. So like, yeah, yeah, let's
1: say, and we can do an example with triple net and without triple net, they're different, Mm -hmm. um, obviously, for insuring. So let's say you have a retail space, and you're not responsible for insuring the building, you're going to be responsible for carrying your own general liability. So that means if anyone gets hurt on the property, or you cause any property damage to the property, or to any other property, um, you know, example, set a fire burns down the next unit or whatever that's on your general liability so general liability property damage bodily injury that's what it covers and then a separate part of the policy would be business personal property business personal property um is contents so that will be a separate line item you can have contents and like we talked about you can do certain things with your contents let's say you have peak season you can make it so i get 25 uh, you know Most of the year, I only have a hundred thousand, but when Christmas comes around, I got two hundred fifty thousand dollars in inventory. You can, you want to look at that kind of stuff if if you are seasonal business. Um, And then, betterments and improvements. Let's if you move into a space and you put work into that space, um, whether it be a part of your lease agreement that the building owner pays for better improvements or that you pay for it. Regardless, you're responsible for the rebuild of it in the case of uh, a loss. So that's gonna be building tenants, betterments, and improvements will be that line item coverage. So it's uh, there's really three different pieces there. And then of course, if it's a triple net, you're in charge of insuring the actual building. And guess what? If it's underinsured, guess who the landlord's gonna come to for the extra money? You. 100%. So. percent again very even if it's even if you don't own the building but you are responsible for insuring the building you need to make sure you have proper insurance to protect yourself financially
0: 100% and i even think about which is something you touched on which is huge in the commercial space is the is the build out cuz there's a lot of situations where in order to incentivize a, a tenant to move in they may offer some form of tenant improvement allowance meaning the landlord is willing to pay for some of those improvements to the space in order to to make sure that you're able to fit within the space. But if something were to happen that would be catastrophic, that's ultimately your responsibility. It's not the Correct. landlords to be able to replicate. So, you know, again, something to consider that's, that's super common in the, the commercial space uh, in particular on some if, if, if for, for office buildings, um, for retail, you know, there's, there's typically some landlords sometimes offer tenant improvement allowances. So all right so jill asks uh this is a great question do, do you recommend using the replacement cost value for the building if it's listed in the appraisal
1: so it, yeah that de- that depends i would i would ask your agent to show their rebuild cost estimator so every time an agent goes in and gets a uh, quote for a building there's a building cost estimator software used by insurance companies they're different one marshall swift and beck core logic there there's a few out there but they're pretty much the same when they, they pretty much spit out the same numbers when you put in, um, you know, all the different variables and and type of build and all that stuff. But um, I would definitely be wary of rebuild cost, replacement cost on the appraisal, just because that doesn't, that's not necessarily taking in all factors. And with that said, um, I, I don't know, do you want me to go into like a little example of the coinsurance and why it's important to. Uh, so I, I I would just, I, I don't know, it might, I can have people reach out, there's a simple formula um, for it. But basically, in every uh, insurance contract, you the typical options are 80% coinsurance, 90% coinsurance, 100% coinsurance, 100% coinsurance, you have to insure that building every penny to what it costs to replace. 90, 90%, 80, 80%. I like to do 80%. It's a little more expensive because you're insuring, you don't have to insure as much on the building, but it gives you leeway when it comes to a claim. So with an 80% 80 coinsurance clause, let's say the true rebuild cost is 1 million. The contract, the insurance contract says, we will not penalize you if you have it insured for at least 800,000 now that means that that doesn't mean in a total loss they're going to give you an extra two hundred thousand, but it just means that they're not going to penalize you for uh, a smaller loss but uh but yeah i, I said someone went through the co-in, co-insurance so um i should have had a whiteboard I on don't,
0: I don't, scratchers <laughs> so mean, if, if you want what we can do too is like you said if, if they want to reach out because i just want to make sure that we are able to relay the message to you in a podcast format so jill yes. i would i would highly encourage you to reach out to, to george too because he's he's a wealth of knowledge and he'd be happy to walk you through examples and if you want even i could even include a link in the description for the podcast format and youtube that references that example too if you'd like and we could take a picture or however we want to do it and it can kind of lay out exactly what you mean so Awesome. yeah, but basically, uh, just real high over you, there you're gonna
1: there's a formula of what you should have, what you actually insured it for versus what you should have insured it for. So let's say you should have insured it for a hundred thousand and you only insured it for uh, eighty thousand, you're gonna get hit with what a twenty percent penalty, regardless mm-hmm. of the size of claim.
0: And that, that again, like, like we were explaining earlier, that could be huge. I mean, if you're talking yeah, about a significant loss. Yeah. yeah let's may... change
1: those numbers to millions instead of.
0: Oh thousands. yeah. Yeah. And, and, and in situations where there's awful. a catastrophic event, I mean, I mean, a full fire that burns down a $5 million building and you're underinsured 20% could be a million bucks, you know? So it's pretty significant. Awesome. So I uh, just want to make sure, do we have any other questions that for George? And maybe I'll ask you one question, George. I wanted to see, is there anything else in particular that you wanted to share today that maybe I didn't ask you that you think would be pertinent to the discussion?
1: No, I'd say just big, big takeaway. Uh, insurance isn't a commodity. Look at look at the ins and outs of a contract. Not No two contracts are the same. Um, so that, that
0: would just be my advice. For sure. And then Magali said contact info. So if you want to type yeah, it away in the I'll, chat box.
1: Uh, you know what? I'm gonna put my for your listeners. I'll put my personal email. Sure. On here.
0: Definitely. And then also, we're we're gonna include the the uh, phone number and email as well for George uh, in the description below. My, if you guys listen,
1: you have my company email as, as well. Yeah. Um, this, you know, since it's your, um, you know, your uh, podcast, I'm happy to share my personal, which um, I answer a little more often than I, I try to keep
0: nine to five on the work <laughs> it doesn't always work but mm-hmm. yeah uh, he is he is amazing yeah Paula said that you're great at what you do and I would attest to that uh, as well you, and he's super responsive as well so if you guys have any questions in particular and you just want to throw an idea off him feel free to reach out to him and uh again like I said this will be recorded as well so if you guys want to watch this back in, in a YouTube format or a podcast format it will be available for you guys as well. So again, uh, George, thank you so much for stopping by. Thank thank you you. all. Yeah, of course. And thank you all for tuning in as always. uh, We, like I said, we do this every other week uh, and we try to invite speakers from all across the country to talk about different commercial real estate topics. So hope you enjoyed this week's episode and we'll see you all next time. Thanks, Rafael. See you guys. Bye.